A hungry crowd, a little boy, and a big lunch. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. We're so glad you joined us today as David and I discuss another event in the life of Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus feeding a crowd of people, and that's in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. So as I'm reading about the meal they had, they had fish and they had bread. What does that make you think of, David? Well, it makes me think of fish and chips. That's it's right. kind of a variation of that. I think most people from New Zealand, when they read this story, are thinking fish and chips. Yep. So here we have fish and chips as a fast food takeaway kind of thing. You go down to the corner shop and you buy fish and chips, which is just fried fish, fried potatoes called chips, kind of like French fries is what Americans call them a lot of times. But take those, they wrap them up in paper, sometimes newspaper, and you take those and maybe go to a park or the beach, and you just enjoy a meal of fish and chips. So that's a very common thing for us to eat fish. It is, and it's inexpensive as well. That's right. May not be the most healthy meal, but it's a very tasty meal. But before we get to that tasty meal, let's see how this story begins to unfold. It starts with Jesus sort of going about his business, would you say that? He is. So often in these stories we read about Jesus, there's always a crowd of people. He does attract the crowd. One of the interesting things about this miracle is that it is the only miracle of Jesus that is found in all four Gospels. In John's Gospel, it's at the beginning of the chapter. Later in the chapter is where Jesus begins to do some teaching about himself being the bread of life. And in fact, this chapter is one of the longest chapters in the Gospel of John, and it's the longest section of teaching of Jesus as well. So that's following what we'll be talking about today, right? right? So it's after this event where he's feeding all of these people. It's after that that he talks about himself being the bread of life. And that's what this miracle pointed to, that Jesus actually is the source of life. There's always something else that It's going on in the mind of Jesus, isn't it, as he's teaching? There's more layers than we first see. Oh, there is. This story takes place on the Sea of Galilee. In John's Gospel, it's also called Lake Tiberias, and Tiberias is the name of the Roman emperor. So it's also known as Lake Tiberias. So this happens on the other side of the lake, it says, because Jesus went across the lake. And so he went into the wilderness area. And also we learn that it was almost the time for the Jewish Passover feast. That's in verse 4. And also we learn in verse 3 is that Jesus went up on a hill or a mountain, and he sat down with his followers. So we have all these different layers of, of the setting of the story. And the wilderness at Passover time on a mountain And all of this should remind us of the Exodus that's in the wilderness where the people were very vulnerable, but God provided for them. God kept them alive in the wilderness. God was the source of their 
sustenance as he fed them with manna. Even crossing the water to get to that event. Maybe that refers to the crossing of the Red Sea. Yep, that's a good point. I think that's correct. So I think the setting kind of helps us think about that story, and we can draw on some of what's going on in that story with trying to understand what's happening with what Jesus is doing. That reminds me, David, as as I read Bible stories and as I'm teaching children, we're studying something maybe for the first time, and they're hearing that surface story that on that one layer. But, you know, I've been a Christian a long time, so I'm also drawing in my mind connections to other events and other Bible stories. And I think the longer we, we are Christians, the more layers there are. And I can imagine anybody in that audience, any Jew, would be immediately connecting some of the things Jesus was saying to a lot of Old Testament passages. Yeah, that's right. It says in verse 2, Many people followed him because they saw the miracles he did to heal the sick. There are many reasons people followed Jesus. And we learn they're following him because, hey, he, he healed the sick. So, And people got sick back then, and they had less opportunity to get well than what we might have today. And a little bit later, he, Jesus tells the crowd, you're following me because I fed you. I filled your belly. So there are many reasons why people follow Jesus. And they're not always maybe the best of reasons, more noble of reasons. Look at our life. You know, why did we first follow Jesus? Was it for selfish reasons? Did we want something from Jesus? We were looking for a spiritual high, or did he give us something? Are we just wanting to go to heaven? So he's our ticket to heaven kind of thing. And, you know, that's okay when we first follow Jesus, but we should be growing and understanding in our reasons for following Jesus that we, we should learn to fall in love with him, and we want to be around the people that we truly love and are devoted to. So that's just something to think about here in verse 2. As the story unfolds, it's told a little differently in the other Gospels. Who speaks first? Who notices what first? But here in John, it's Jesus that first brings the subject up, that there's this large crowd. And so he asks Philip, what are we going to do about this? And I find that interesting. I use that kind of phrase often in, in teaching children letting them problem solve instead of just telling them the answer. I'm letting them come up with a solution. It's a good exercise. And I feel like Jesus is giving Philip an opportunity here to come up with some ideas. Maybe he even hoped Philip would say, you know the answer. I know you can do this. But Philip's just maybe more of a realist. He's just looking around saying, "Um, all these people, this would cost a lot of money to buy food for them. We can't do this. We'd have to all work a long time to have that much money to buy the food. So he's just calculating and thinking, how could we do this? You know, just when you said that, it just thought occurred to me. He was calculating, so maybe he was good with numbers because he was looking out over the crowd and and he said, someone would have to work for almost a year. That's a lot of money. You're right, Mary. Philip was more of a realist. Jesus asked him a simple question and Philip does give him a reasonable answer, but it's not a solution, is it? It's just uh, stating the obvious. And it is interesting in that passage, David, it says that Jesus asked Philip this question to test him. 
just to maybe hear what he had to say. Let Philip kind of grow in this. It was interesting how he allowed Philip to do that. So Philip didn't pass the test, at least at this point. But after he saw the miracle, I think his faith in Jesus did grow. Philip, he saw what couldn't be done instead of what could be done. And Andrew is maybe one step ahead of Philip, but not much. We don't know what was going on, but he just comes to Jesus and said, here's a boy. And this boy has five loaves of barley bread and two little fish. That is not enough for so many people. I'm not sure if that's that much further ahead. <laughs> Both of them didn't have a solution. Andrew's like, uh, well, maybe this. Nah, that wouldn't work. But, yeah. We're talking about a lot of people here. This isn't just a big group. This is a crowd. Later on in the passage, it says there's 5,000 men. Yeah. So, I mean, that's is that a common thing just to count them in? Yeah, it's the common thing to count the men. It would have been a good day to count children, though. Children <laughs> yeah. do fe- feature in this That's in true. This There's 5,000 men and one boy and, you know, <laughs> Good women. thing that little boy was there, if you ask me. Philip and, and Andrew, you know, one says not enough money and the other one says not enough food. But, of course, for Jesus, this is no obstacle. Both Philip and Andrew and us as well are confronted by our understanding of Jesus and what he does and could do. And, of course, they see this miracle. They experience this miracle of Jesus. He is the one who provides an abundance, which is a sign of God's coming kingdom. In all of these versions, in all of the Gospels, they mention him thanking God, breaking the bread, and then saying, share it with the people. It's kind of mind-boggling to me, you know, how that really came down. Did that bread multiply in his hands? Did every time he passed a plate, were there more fish in it? You know, it's an interesting thought. I, we, we don't know. That detail's not there. But how did you get from these few fish and a couple of pieces of bread to feeding 5,000 and more people? That's a stadium full of people. That's a lot. That's of a lot of people. <laughs> it is a miracle. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is so amazing that he could do that. That's interesting thought. And there are actually a few other stories in the Old Testament about a miraculous feeding. I've already referred to Moses in the wilderness where they were fed manna. You know, what is it? These little bread-like wafers. And then we have a story in 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16, about Elijah the prophet who provides oil for the widow of Zarephath. And so as long as she had bottles, there was oil in them. So, you know, we can ask the same question. So how did the oil appear in the bottles? But anyway, there was an abundance that God provided for her. And there's another little story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42 through 44, a little shorter story where Elisha, the prophet that followed Elijah, who fed 100 people, with 20 loaves of bread. And as the story is told in Second Kings, it has some similarities to the story in John chapter 6. Because in that story in Second Kings, after everyone was filled, there was some food left over, gathered up. And that's what we find here. So there's sort of a background to this story in the Old Testament. David, I can tell already. I'm going to have to put these 
verses, the location of these chapters and verses in the show notes, because you've just said a few different ones, and I need to go read those to get that background. In the different Gospels, we get a little bit different detail on how this happened, you know, how they divided the people, how they counted the people. But the fact is, Jesus had all of them sit on the green grass, and the disciples passed out this bread and fish, and they were all fed, and and they were fed until they were satisfied. They had enough, and it was only when they had had enough that Jesus stopped multiplying this food. And then it's interesting, he tells them to gather up what's left. Here they only had this little bit to start out with, but they've got more leftovers, and then they started out with food. Amazing. That's amazing. It says that, that they ate as much as they wanted. That's something that shouldn't be missed on us, Mary, is that they ended up with a lot more than what they began with. Uh, isn't that just our Christian life? I mean, we think, we might think we have a lot. <laughs> and as we follow Jesus, just more and more and more comes our way. Things that we didn't even know we needed come our way. And then we look back at our life and think, wow, he gave us what we needed and more. And that's just the nature of Jesus. He's a giver. He's a provider in uh, both the physical and the spiritual sense. That's right. So, David, if I'm outlining this story, I think I would probably say John chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, are just Jesus at work or Jesus teaching. And then in verses 5 through 9, we're, we're faced with the dilemma, the problem. How are we going to feed these people? And then verses 10 and 11 is the actual miracle and the meal. And then verses 12 through 14, you know, I just call this for my own notes. I called it leftovers, <laughs> and I kind of have a double meaning for that. It's leftover food that they collected, but it, it's also what is leftover after this meal. It's that teaching. It's that, again, that exclamation, he must truly be the prophet who is coming into the world. And that's in verse 14. Now, later on, as we read, they probably didn't have a, a great understanding of what that meant, but they were truly at that time impressed with what Jesus had done. And they knew he was special. He was different. He was giving in abundance. That's right. That's great. Jesus took a little and turned it into a lot. At the very end of the story, you know, the people saw this miracle, and they did believe, and they confessed that Jesus must truly be the prophet who is coming into the world. And back in the Old Testament, you might want to add this text into the show notes in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. It says in that text, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you shall heed such a prophet. And so... There was a prophet coming after Moses that the people should listen to, and they believe that Jesus is this prophet, and he is, but he's more than a prophet. He's the source of life. So he's a greater than Moses. He's a greater than Elijah. He is a greater than Elisha. David, as I'm looking at this, so many 
lessons come to mind? I mean, there's just the wonder of the event, just this multiplication of food. I mean, I don't want to just pass over that. That's crazy. (laughs) The idea of sitting down and then more and more food is presented from not, you know, from this little bitty lunch that this boy had, just multiplying that food. That would have been amazing. But for children, Here's one of those times, now I'm not good with numbers, but a lot of times I teach children that really like math and really enjoy numbers. So that would be a fun time to do some multiplication, to think about maybe how much would fish and chips cost? One fish and one scoop of chips, how much would that cost? I'd, I'd want them to kind of calculate that or, or may, you know, they could say a loaf of bread or something, just kind of get an idea how much would it cost for one person to eat? fish, and bread, and then multiply that by 5,000. And then think, how much would that have cost? They were saying they'd have to work for a month or whatever. That'd be an interesting calculation for the children to do. I think that would be fun. I would have to, as a teacher, I have to say, we need to eat fish and bread in the Bible class today. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those things, whether it's you know, fish sticks or whatever. I think this is a great time to, you know, to experience what it tastes like. It's using more of our senses as we're teaching and as we're learning. So, yeah, eating fish and bread would be a fun thing in class today. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, in an adult class, there's some things that come to my mind. In a class, I would want to ask of myself and of the class, thought-provoking questions to get us to think about this text and our response to it. One of these questions is, why do you follow Jesus? Or why do I follow Jesus? It could be, I follow Jesus because, and then you fill in the blank and just have the class discuss that and, and talk about why they follow Jesus. Is it out of pure love and devotion? Is it to get a spiritual high? Is it Jesus as your ticket to heaven? Um, There's all kinds of reasons why we follow Jesus. And who are you more like? You more like Philip, more more like Andrew. So you might want to explore the characters of Philip and Andrew. They're mentioned several times in the Gospel of John. In chapter 1, they're introduced as one of Jesus' first disciples. You can read about them in chapter 1. And then also chapter 6, they interact with Jesus again. And then in chapter 12, at the end of Jesus' ministry, they interact with Jesus again. They bring Greeks to Jesus. And I think it would be interesting just to read these texts and look at Philip and Andrew and ask yourself, did they grow in their understanding of Jesus? So that's some questions that could be helpful and thought-provoking and challenging in an adult class. You know, David, when you said that made me think, There's a lot of characters here. I think it would be kind of good to say, am I more like Philip, Andrew, the crowd, or the boy? Oh, that's good. The boy. He's a character, too. He was willing, wasn't he, to give up his food. Just the idea, am I willing to give what I have, as little as it is, trusting that God will use it in big ways? Yeah. Another thing for adults, to be reminded that God provides for us, he provides an abundance that God has more, and his treasure is inexhaustible. Do this. Have some friends come over, and everyone maybe prepare a meal together and share the meal together, but prepare enough food 
so that you have enough for yourself and the group that's at your house. But then after that, since you've prepared enough, take it to someone else who maybe you know doesn't have much, a needy person, or anyone else is just to share what you have. Because that's how God gives his abundance to us. It's through his people. His people are his agents that provides for others. So that would be one application. I have a feeling like you and I, that in teaching this lesson, we're going to be discovering layers upon layers for a very long time. As you read through this story, as you put yourself in the place of these people, as you imagine sitting on the grass, eating the food that Jesus has provided, as you consider how he makes so much out of so little in our lives and what we have to offer, I just pray that touches you. I know it touches me, and it makes me want to share that with the children. And especially in this story, when a child is involved, they can put themselves in this story in an easier way. May God bless you as you share these abundant gifts with children. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children. 